Well, hello there. Welcome in. This is Downtown, the podcast, episode 90. Wow. Rich Kimball and Carrie Haskell with you from our Zone Radio studios in Bangor, Maine. Our daily show, Downtown, originates from here Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on the Zone Radio station's Maine. Streaming audio on our website at downtownwithrichkimball.com. Hey, we're brought to you every week by the good people at Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Two interesting conversations with veteran actors on the podcast this week. And, and we love talking to actors with uh, with some experience in a lot of different types of roles through the years. And uh, Carrie, we've had this happen time and again that we bring on these actors and, and we know them for perhaps one iconic role or maybe a couple along the way and then dig a little deeper and find out about all the things that they've done. And it is always a fascinating story. And often it's those hidden gems that are even more interesting to talk about than whatever the thing was that they became famous for. Yeah. If to get to the stage of, of fame in acting, you've, you've done a lot of acting, you've done a lot of work in either, you know, whatever television, film, stage, usually all three to get to the mm. fame level. And those are the stories that are interesting. What got them there? Well, we'll talk with two of them this week on the podcast, Joyce Bullifant, who is probably best known for her role as Murray Slaughter's wife, Marie, on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Also had a very, very funny appearance in the film Airplane, but she has done everything through the years. We'll, we'll talk about that and her memoir of her very interesting and challenging personal life, and you can see how challenging in the title. It's called My Four Hollywood Husbands. That's coming up in the second half of the podcast. But in the first half, a TV icon. If, if you make a list of iconic TV moms in the last 50, 60 years, you have to think Marion Ross ends up on that list for her more than a decade of playing Mrs. C, Marion Cunningham, on Happy Days. But what we learned from our conversation with Marion was about so much more than that. Her days as a, a contract player making films with uh, all kinds of talented folks like Cary Grant doing stage work with Noel Coward and Lauren Bacall. And some great stories about the pre and post Happy Days days with actress Marion Ross. I wish you all happy days, you know. <laughs> well, Marion, this is Rich <laughs> Kimball. It's so wonderful to talk to you. And uh, yeah, we're here in Maine. And I understand in your home... You have a clock from Maine that you uh, you got when you were doing a show here with Gavin McLeod. I did. I did. And it's a beautiful grandfather clock. I wonder what's the, the make of it. I, and while, while we're talking, I'll have to walk downstairs and, and look at the make of the clock <laughs> and so I can tell you. <laughs> well, you've got you've got such a wonderful story. Let's let's go back to the beginning. You grew up in Minnesota and uh, and had big dreams, as so many people do. I was taken in reading your book, uh, realizing you did something I did as a kid. And that was at the library. Go through those who's who books. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> right. I, I, and the thing is, it's like they're, they're born and then, oh. Instantly, they're big hit, they're big successful. And I think, well, then what happened? What happened in between? How did all that happen? You know? <laughs> well, and you, you certainly had, that. you had people you looked up to. Is it, is it fair to say that the two people you respected the most in the entertainment world were uh, Shirley Temple and Noel Coward? Oh, I would say so. Yes, I would. Right. Right. 
um, it's so amazing that, you know, when I was, we were doing the Rose Bowl Parade. Okay, so all the TV moms, we were there, and they said, and, and Shirley Temple was the Grand Marshal that particular Christmas and New Year's. So they said, don't you want to meet Shirley Temple? I thought, oh, I, I, I just like fell apart. I just became all, all gooey all over. And, and I came up to her with my arms out and she said, don't mess me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, 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 I had to back off. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my clock and the make on this clock is Sly, S-L-I-G-H. Hmm, I, I don't know. hear that? Well, we'll look anyway, at, we'll, we'll get our research team looking into yeah. that here and see. Okay. So you went to college right. uh, in California. You already had this love of acting, but it wasn't enough to have the dream. You had to work hard to get there, but, but at a, a pretty young age, you were already working with some of the heavyweights in the business doing the Glenn Miller story with Jimmy Stewart, uh, Lust for Life with Kirk Douglas. You know, I was I was under contract to Paramount when I was, now I was 23. I was 23 years old. And at Paramount in those days, everything was shot on the lot. All the big stars were there. Everything was happening. And C.B. DeMille was there in the lunchroom and and. Martin and Lewis over there having lunch, and it was pretty darn exciting. And Audrey Hepburn was there, and she was exactly my age. <laughs> I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, and eventually you ended up working with Noel Coward, and from your book, it sounds like that was was a wonderful experience. That he was very nice to you. Oh, he was he was just wonderful to me, and. Uh, it was just amazing because uh, I, one of the first books I re- ever read was Noel Coward's autobiography and in the early years. And then for me to meet him, and it's just incredible, incredible. We had the first read-through of our script of Blythe Spirit at uh, Humphrey Bogart's house because Lauren Bacall was playing one of the women. So... There we were with Sir Noel Coward. Oh, I mean, too exciting for words. And you had a wonderful experience with him. It wasn't quite the same with Claudette Colbert, though. No, no. Uh, she was, uh, obviously, she was uh, not happy with herself. So, you know, so uh, if, if she touched me, she almost hurt me, you know. <laughs> it was, so it was, uh, oh, in fact, he said, you, uh, you can quote me. This is what Noel, and she interrupted. She would interrupt Noel Coward all the time. So we're rehearsing. And finally, Noel Coward said, Claudette, uh, shut your fucking face. She <laughs> 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 said, shut my fucking face. Shut my fucking face. I mean, we were, that was war. That was war. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We're talking with Marion Ross here on Downtown. You I, you traveled in some interesting circles, and I think proof of this is not many people in life can say that they got to share the news of their pregnancy with Cary Grant right away. Oh, I I know, I know. It was amazing. We're we're doing we're doing Operation Petticoat in Florida, and uh, I'm sitting up on top of the submarine, which right by the the wharf, and and uh, Cary Grant came up 
sat down beside me and I said, I, uh, uh, you know, I don't think I should go down in the submarine because I'm, I'm two months pregnant. He said, you are, you are. And tears came to his eyes. I mean, it was a moment. It was a wonderful <laughs> moment. Well, acting is often about opportunity and sometimes an opportunity presents itself in an unusual way. Is it true that by taking a part essentially as an extra in the movie Airport, that led to the big break that got you happy days? Oh boy, wasn't that something? I was at such a low ebb. I was such a low ebb, and my friends would say, "How can you take that part? It isn't even paying the the minimum salary. It's below the minimum. It's, you're like an extra." And I said, "Because I have to. I have to. Because I had two little children. I was getting divorced, and because of being on one of those passengers on the plane, two rows in front of Helen Hayes, my friends." Sandra Gould sat across the aisle, and she invited me to come to her house for dinner. And she also brought along Millie Gussie, who was a casting woman. And she said, you'd be good for the, the, the mother on this pilot we're doing called Happy Days. And the mother's part was very minimal at the time because Tom Bosley had just come from Broadway, won the Tony on Broadway for the for the musical Fiorello. Right. So the father was going to be very important. So, okay, so that was the beginning of that. Can you believe it? If I hadn't, you know, eaten crow and taken this part on airports, that led eventually to Happy Days. And even that wasn't an immediate success. The pilot uh, was not picked up. And, and what happened often in those days is that, well, we, we put the time and the money into this pilot. We have to use it. And so it aired, actually, as an episode of Love American Style. Yes, yes. And and so then, meanwhile, I go down to, to the Globe Theater in San Diego and do a play. I do Summer and Smoke by Tennessee Williams. And I'm doing this play, and somebody comes to me, and they said, oh, I see in the paper that pilot you made sold. I said, you did? You did? <laughs> oh, my God. So now they, my agent said, get out of that play. And I thought, oh, I, I can do both. I can do both. But I, but I got out of the play, yeah. Well, Happy Days uh, has become such an iconic show, and the character is so beloved. But you write in your book, Marion, that uh, your relationship with Tom Bosley it was very strained at first. He was he was difficult to work with until you understood some of the things that were going on in his personal life. Yes, uh, his wife was very ill. I didn't know that. He he had won the Tony on Broadway, and he didn't know who I was. I was way beneath him in his book. So he wanted somebody more well-known or somebody that he knew, something. So he it took him a long, long time to get to know me and care about me, you know. And so every now and then, you know, we have to, we have to be able to take it, take your lumps, right? Exactly. Now, was the success for you of Happy Days, was it all you hoped it would be or was it a little anticlimactic? Uh, it, 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 it gave me, I'll tell you what it gave me. It gave me money. I had money. I now had the money in the bank because the show ran 10 years. So I felt pretty well established now. So that helped me to get other 
other roles. And because I, I was a real actress, I could I could do all kinds of character roles. One of the best parts I had after that was a show called Brooklyn Bridge, and it didn't become a big hit, but it was made at CBS, and I played a Jewish-Polish grandmother, of all things. Here I am, Scotch-Irish girl <laughs> from Minnesota, right? So that, I, I, I tell you, it, Brooklyn Bridge it was wonderful, and I got to be Jewish. I just, I, I just loved it. Well, that was a wonderful time in your life too. You're also uh, in a very strong relationship with a gentleman named Paul, and you, you've said in your book those were some of your absolutely happiest days. They were. They were. I was 60 years old. Can you believe that? Divorced, and I thought I cannot be this old and be alone anymore because I got divorced when I was 40. So there was 20 years in there. Can you believe it? So I said, when when I met him, I said, I'll have one of those. <laughs> one of those. <laughs> well, we've had uh, a number of your castmates on the show, Henry Winkler, Anson Williams, Donnie Most, and over those 10 years that you all worked together, you really did become a family. And in reading the book, I thought it was wonderful that you wanted input from all of those people you worked with. And it's clear that this this relationship between the cast was stronger than, than we see in most television show casts. No, they each one wrote a chapter at the end. Can you believe that? And I'm still, I get phone calls from Henry, Henry Winkler all the time. Ron is a pretty busy guy. I don't even, I, I guess he's in the country. Who knows what? <laughs> but he lives in the East. But I, I'm very close to Henry and Anson and Donnie. And we and we lost our Aaron. That was a tragedy, terrible tragedy. You know. So, uh, is it safe to say, looking at your philosophy and, and the dreams that you had as a young girl there in Minnesota, it's great to have dreams. Everybody's got dreams, but it takes more than that. You've got to get to work and, and do the work, do the job to make those dreams come true. Yes. Oh, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it if I saw somebody who was so wonderful and successful. It just killed me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm first of all, I'm a middle child. Were you a middle child? I'm an only child. That's even more confusing. Well, well that's almost the same problem. <laughs> so that, and then I had a crippled brother, and I was the second little girl. For some reason, and my mother was a Canadian from Saskatchewan, from the high prairies of Saskatchewan, north. So, uh, and Irish, so I had a lot of drive. You've got to be born with that drive. You can't get that from anybody, you know. Now, I've got a little guy at home who was very excited that I was going to be talking to SpongeBob SquarePants' grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) And how old is he? He's six. Oh, really? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, I would. Uh, how fun. I would love to talk to him. I like, yes, you can talk to a little kid like that and take him anywhere. You know, make up stuff. Just have a wonderful time. By, by the way, Carrie here has done some research, and the sly clocks were made in Holland, Michigan, until the Bull of a Company bought them out around 15 years ago. Really? It's made in Michigan? Okay. Yes. There you go. It's a handsome piece. Right. Thank you so much, Mary, and it's a delight to talk with you. We really appreciate you. you making time for us today. All right. Thank you, my darling. Bye-bye. Marion Ross of Happy Days and so much more here on Downtown the Podcast.
We'll take a quick break and hear from our friends at Cross Insurance. When we come back, actress Joyce Bullifant here on Downtown. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Well, if you were of a certain age, well, mine, (laughs) or older, well, you recognize that as the theme from long-running and very successful CBS television series, Perry Mason, starring Raymond Burr, Barbara Hale. Our next guest on Downtown, the podcast, did a couple of stints on Perry Mason, but then again, I think she was on every television show that was doing well in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, from The Virginian to Lancer, to her role as Murray Slaughter's wife on The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and even to more recent appearances uh, as David Spade's mother on Just Shoot Me. Joyce Bolifon has had a remarkable career uh, as an actress in film, television, and on stage, and a very interesting personal life, too, with some struggles and challenges along the way, documented in her memoir, My Four Hollywood Husbands. We had a great time talking with actress Joyce Bullifant. You have had such a remarkable career, and and I feel like I didn't know the half of it until I read your book, and, and my goodness, that was that was an eye-opener to say the least. You've, uh, you've certainly faced and overcome some challenges along the way. <laughs> well, we all have, but it's... It's how you do it. I recently read a quote, and I think it's my new favorite quote, and that's um, if you, if you, uh, your attitude is like a flat tire. If you don't change it, you can't go anyplace. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with how you get through things is, is the attitude that you have. Well, you, you faced some challenges right away with a, a difficult childhood. I, I think most people wouldn't know that you were in and out of a number of foster homes. Yes, I was. But you know what? It has also given me an appreciation of, of many things. Uh, you, can, you can use things that happened to you in the past and to your uh, disservice, or you can use it to make life better for other people. Uh, your memoir is entitled "My Four Hollywood Husbands," and and you met the first of those four uh, at a very young age when you were in school together. Uh, James MacArthur, uh, best known yes. as as Dano from Hawaii Five O, and uh, it didn't it didn't click right away. Uh, he was he was a little prickly to deal with at first until you got to know him. Well, he he did have his prickly side. <laughs> <laughs> that indeed he did. Uh, he would end up becoming your first husband, and that would also uh, lead you into a, a long relationship with the first lady of the American theater, his mother, Helen Hayes. Yes, we had a very interesting, diverse, up and down, and very loving relationship right up until she passed. And um, and Jimmy was very sweet about concerning with me regarding the service for her funeral. And um, the one thing I said, I know your mom would like it, bagpipes. And uh, they weren't all during the service, 
But as we walked out of the church on a very sunshiny but chilly day, um, as they put her coffin into the hearse in the distance, you could hear the bagpipes. And I thought, oh, good for Jimmy. He did it. <laughs> she would love that. <laughs> you also, around the same time, uh, met someone who would be a big influence and a guide in your career and your life, the great Lillian Gish. How did you meet her, and, and how did that relationship grow and blossom through the years? Well, she was a great friend of Helen, and she was always stood by me when Helen was down on me, which was often. And um, <laughs> one day was kind of like a French farce. I was visiting her in her apartment in New York City. It was such a beautiful apartment to move into. It was all Lillian. It was all beautiful satin brocade and this light, light pink color, and the whole apartment developed of tuberose perfume, which she loved. And we'd sit and we'd have chocolates and champagne, and we'd talk about mostly spiritual things. She was a great a great help in that way. But one day, when Helen wasn't talking to me, um, Lillian said, don't mind her, darling. Uh, she has the temper of an Irish washerwoman. And, and pay no attention. But at that time, the doorbell rang downstairs, and uh, Jim Frazier, Lillian's manager who looked after her and was a great friend, went into panic mode and said, Quick, get Joyce out the servants' entrance. Helen's on her way up to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had a very close relationship. I called her my fairy godmother. Well, your first husband, uh, James MacArthur, uh, battled uh, demons, largely alcoholism and, and a violent temper as well. And, and that would be a theme throughout your life with, with your Hollywood husbands. And you've described yourself in many ways uh, as a co-alcoholic. What do you mean by that, Joyce? Well, uh, Marriott Hartley, my dear friend and wonderful actress, gave me a book when I was on the husband number two which is perfect name for him, number two. Um, he, he, had a, he really had dark demons. And um, Mariette gave me a book called The Co-Alcoholic, and I started reading it, and I said, oh, my gosh, I'm a big part of this whole problem. I'm feeding into the alcoholism. I'm, I'm making excuses and accepting bad behavior, and, and I can't do this. And I, and I said to Ed, it was Ed Mallory who played Dr. Bill Horton on Days of Our Lives. And he was a wonderful, uh, imaginative and creative person and a good director, a good actor, a Shakespearean actor, too. Uh, and he just, he just was so sad in his life. And I said, you know, Ed, I'm causing these problems. I'm part of it. I might. I hope I'm not the cause of it, but I am feeding into your your problems, and and it's not healthy, and it certainly isn't healthy for the children. And I always had my children at the forefront of my my thinking when I had to leave husbands, and um, I stayed for a long time. My first marriage to Jimmy was nine years, and to Ed was seven years. And to Bill Asher, 20 years. And to my wonderful Roger, who stopped drinking, and we were able to have a really happy marriage together, just a beautiful marriage. And that was, we were together 18 years and married 16 years. So 
But the important thing, and people don't talk about it very much, is the co-alcoholic. Not only do you feed into the problem because you don't talk about it, the old elephant in the room, but you also become ill as the alcoholic needs more alcohol to feel that buzz and good feeling. As they're getting sicker and sicker, you are getting sicker and sicker. I mean, I had everything. I had migraine, headaches, irritable stomach. Um, I had, yeah, I had um, mono, and I had finally ended up with uh, typhoid fever. I mean, your your immune system is so broken down, and as they become more dependent on the alcohol. you become sicker and sicker right alongside. So it's not a healthy existence for either the alcoholic or the codependent person. We're talking with Joyce Bullifant here on Downtown. You've had so many wonderful performances and worked with so many giants of the business. Can you you tell a little bit of the story of working with Fred Astaire? (laughs) My favorite story. I'm glad we got off of that awful subject. <laughs> <laughs> but but in case anybody was listening, uh, who it might be helpful, I I hope that's what the book was all about, really. But working with Fred Astaire was, well, first of all, when I was a little girl and I could be with my mother, we would always, my big treat was to go to any Fred Astaire movie. And I had a call from my agent. I was doing the Perry Mason show. And my agent called and he said, Joyce, how would you like to do a show with Fred Astaire? And I said, uh, Ron, listen, I'm really busy. I have to get back on set. Why are you calling? He said, no, do you, would you like to do a show with Fred Astaire? I said, Ron, stop teasing me. I have to get back to the set. And he said, I guess you don't want to do a show with Fred Astaire. I said, wait a minute, are you being serious? He said, yes. Well, I almost fainted on the spot. And he said, not only that, you get to dance with him. And I said, what? And, oh, I imagined as a young girl, you know, in my dreams, being in a ballroom, my beautiful um, dress and being lifted into the air and dancing and waltzing and just doing these wonderful things and with Fred Astaire. And I was so excited. And then we got on the set. And guess what the dance was? As I recall, it was the twist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Far from the ballroom being lifted into the air. However, <laughs> I did have a chiffon dress on. And he grabbed me and he said, oh, Miss Bulletin. I kept saying, Mr. Stair, please go meet Joyce. And he said, you come behind the flat here. I don't know how to do the twist. Would you please teach me? And you better do it fast because we're about to be on. <laughs> and I said, Mr. Stair, you want me to teach you a dance? <laughs> he said, yes, and make it quick. <laughs> so I taught Fred Astaire the twist. <laughs> that is perfect. Now, you also did a film, uh, The Happiest Millionaire, for Disney with uh, Leslie Ann Warren and a great friend of our show who lives nearby, uh, John Davidson. Oh, yes, of course, poor John. He he used to see me coming, and I did a lot of things for abused children, a lot of uh, fundraising to help and. When he'd see me coming, he'd run the other way because I got him involved in the few. But, um, yes, that was great fun. Uh, I did a number called Bayon Pum Pum, written by the Sherman Brothers. And uh, the the movie was written by my good friend, A.J. Carruthers. And that was great fun, really a terrific time. 
You were also cast as the original Carol Brady in the Brady Bunch until the well, producer. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. I'm sorry. Well, you know, we we hit the highs. We have to hit some of those challenges <laughs> along the way too. That's right. All the children, the little girls, were cast to look like me. And um, on Friday before we started shooting, uh, I was uh, for two weeks. I'd been doing wardrobe, and um, I was showing the director and the producer the clothes. And I said, "Now this is uh, what she wears in the garden wedding." And I came out and I twirled around, and they just sort of said, "Hmm." And then I went back and I put on the going away suit and I said, this is what she wears when she's going away on her honeymoon. And they went, mm-hmm. And I went back and I thought, their attitude is so funny. I've never had that happen. Usually they're always saying, well, could is there another color or do you have to wear those shoes or is there a scarf? But they were just going, mm-hmm. So the third time I came out, I looked at them and I said, is something wrong? And they said, Joyce, sit down. And they said ABC in New York has changed their mind, and Florence Henderson is available, and they would like her. But we're going to fight for you because we want it to be more like the Lucy show, and you're more like Lucy and doing comedy. So we're going to have to change the whole cast. We have to make the the housekeeper now will have to be the funny one, and Florence will be the straight one, and we're fighting for you. Well, the long and short of it is, of course, Florence did it. She was very good. It was extremely successful. And I married Bill Asher and ended up having my own eight children. <laughs> <laughs> my, I had the reality part, which I've loved forever. Uh, you also <laughs> managed to get a recurring role in one of the great series of all time, playing Marie Slaughter, the wife of Murray, on the Mary Tyler Moore Show. What was that experience like? Well, that was great. And my dear friend, Gavin McLeod, who played Murray, uh, lives nearby. We get to see each other all the time and his, his sweet wife, Patty. And uh, that was that was great fun. I mean, what a cast. I, I love going and watching everybody else do their work because they were just, each person was excellent. And, and Betty White said about me, happy birthday, Betty, wherever you are. Um, he said to me, you know, Joyce, uh, when Joyce tells a naughty joke, it sounds like a nursery rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to tell naughty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you also have done a tremendous amount of stage work through the years. And, and would I be accurate in saying that you took a lot of inspiration from your role as Molly in the unsinkable Molly Brown? Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. You really did read my book, didn't you? I did, yes. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very dyslexic, and my youngest son, John, who's a director, writer, producer, he's dyslexic, and um, but when she sings the song, I'm going to learn to read and write, I really had my heart in it because it was so difficult for me, and I love working with dyslexic children, and I'm executive vice president of the Dyslexia Foundation, and I've spoken all over the country about dyslexia. So, yes, it meant a lot to me doing that show. And the fact that you dealt with that yourself when you were young, did, did that make it even more uh, uh, a matter of pride for you when you were on so many game shows in the 70s and 80s and so good on all of them? Well, you know, I was always the one giving the stupid, stupid 
sometimes funny, sometimes naughty answers on match games. And that was because I couldn't spell. And you had to hold up your the, what you put in the little slit. You had to hold up and show everybody. And I couldn't spell lots of times, so I had to try to think of something close to the answer that I could spell. So sometimes it came off kind of terrible. (laughs) But you know where I was really good with passwords? Yes. Because when you're dyslexic, you use mnemonics. You've got to think of one word to get to another. That's why some children appear to be slow, because they're, they're either making a story around the word to get to it, or they're thinking of another word that's going to lead them to that word. And so password was just an automatic good thing for me to do. And I even won the celebrity um, match game. I felt like I felt like um, Miss America. They gave me roses and a silver plate and everything. It was great. Yeah, except when you were doing the match game and had to try and get away from Gene Rayburn, oh. right? Oh, yes. That was a little difficult. That was difficult. <laughs> and, and also Richard Dawson, which we won't go into, but if you read the book, you'll see. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're talking with Joyce Bullifant here on Downtown. Can you talk a little bit about working with David Spade and that terrific ensemble on Just Shoot Me? Oh, that was so fun. I loved doing that. But it was different. We were on the Mary Tyler Moore stage at CBS in, in the Valley, and at one point, after I did the scene, my first scene, they said, okay, everyone hit the rails. And I thought, what are they talking about? Hit the rails. <laughs> and I, what I found out was that the writers all line up, who are now given producer credit as well, all line up at the rail where the bleachers are, where people sit to see the show. And they all give you notes on your performance. And you go down the line taking the notes, and the first one said, oh, I love the way you read that line. That is so funny. Oh, my gosh. And the second one would say, you know, the way you did that line, did you think it's give it a different color? Try this. And I was thinking, what? <laughs> and then the next one would say something else, and the next one would say. And I was brought up in the theater where the director's word is God, and that's who you listen to. And here were all these people giving you 10 different notes. So I said to David Spade, what the heck do you do? I mean, which note do you take? He said, your own note. (laughs) Do what you think is the best. (laughs) And he was a very nice guy to work with. They all were on that set. It was a fun role. I loved doing that. Well, I wanted to ask you, too, about you were on so many series in, in the 60s and 70s and, and the 80s and on and on and on. But uh, one show in particular I wanted to ask about because uh, we're here in Bangor, Maine, and the star of the series was from Bangor. Do you remember anything about working with Wayne Maunder on Lancer? Oh, Lancer. Oh, my gosh. That wasn't that also Jim Stacy Was he the star of that? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. Poor Jim, and he had that terrible accident. Yeah. Um, but, gosh, which role did he play? I'm so bad at names. He was the All other brother. Things. He was Jim Stacy's brother on Lancer. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Well, uh, the book is absolutely wonderful, and I have to say... Um, a happy ending in many ways because your relationship with Roger that that had started well, back in the in the early '60s when you first met and you clearly uh, had a connection there and he was always 
he was always sort of there, but the, the fact that you finally were able to get together and have all those years uh, together was just, uh, that, that put a big smile on my face. I was so happy for both of you and that you got that big family that you always wanted as well. I sure did. And I mean, the story of Roger and me is woven all through the book. It's a real love story. And it um, it was a miracle. We, we would look at each other right before we'd have dinner, hold hands and say, thank you, God, for this miracle. I mean, it really was. And, and the fact that he was sober for 24 years. Otherwise, it wouldn't have worked because I had learned too much by then. <laughs> Joyce, thank you so much. I've enjoyed your work so much through the years. The book was a wonderful read and so uplifting, and I really appreciate you making time for us today. Well, thank you. Be sure to tell them they can get it on Amazon. Oh, I will do that, no <laughs> doubt about it. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you very much. All right, bye-bye Bye-bye. now. That's Joyce Bullifant here on Downtown, the podcast. And our thanks to Joyce, as well as Marion Ross. And thanks to you for checking in with us this week. Be sure and tell your friends, subscribe, get them to subscribe. Get a bunch of people, and, and we'll be very appreciative as well. Uh, put in positive reviews. Glowing is actually what we're asking for here. And hope you come back next week, and we'll do it again. Downtown the Podcast, brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength.